Are you passionate about resolving conflicts and making positive impact in the world? Then USD's Conflict Management and Resolution Master's program may be for you. Learn to address conflicts at all levels, from personal disputes to global crises. Join the Croc School's dedicated community, fostering peace and understanding while you acquire practical skills to navigate diverse settings. Apply now and be the change you want to see in the world. Visit sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. That's sandiego.edu slash peace slash VOSD. My name is Scott Lewis. I'm the editor-in-chief at Voice of San Diego and the host of Good Schools for All and the Voice of San Diego podcasts. If you're interested in sponsoring one of our podcasts and associating your company's name or message with the great shows we produce, please let us know. Contact Aaron Zlotnick at Aaron at voiceofsandiego.org. That's E-R-I-N at voiceofsandiego.org. Hi, this is David Lizerbram. I'm the host of Products of the Mind, a conversation about the intersection of business and creativity. It's a number one ranked iTunes podcast, and I'm excited that it is now part of the Voice of San Diego podcast network. If you're interested in checking out the show, you can get it on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you get podcasts, or at productsofthemind.net. Barrio Logan is coffee, art, music, love, passion. It's a, a small place, but it's very nice. I like it. Okay, Barrio Logan is a great community, a great artistic community. Oh, sí, mucho, mucho cambia, mucho, 100%. Um, Barrio Logan is changing every day. Barrio Logan is community. Barrio Logan is empowering. Barrio Logan is beautiful. So, say the whole sentence? Okay, so Barrio Logan is inspiration. Barrio Logan is empowerment. Barrio Logan is culture. Barrio Logan is por vida. <laughs> Barrio Logan is home. Barrio Logan is in trouble. Logan Avenue is blowing up right now. A few blocks in particular, a stretch right in the heart of Barrio Logan, has seen an explosion of new businesses, art galleries, and redevelopment. So it'll be two commercial units when you're done with commercial it. Commercial units. The one we're standing in right now will be a cafe. Okay. Very notable uh, San Diego restaurant entrepreneur. And That's all you'll give me right now. <laughs> right now, until I have his, until I would have his consent to disclose. Yes. Um, and then this side is a going to be a beer and wine bar that will only feature Baja product. So all beers that are currently um, being brewed, craft beer, uh, from uh, Tijuana, Ensenada, Guadalajara, but only south of the border, um, and then Baja wines. Oh, wow. So there's a huge Vita Guadalupe wine movement, which uh, I really want to support. So this will end up being a full bar, or, or that, that beer wine bar with sidewalk cafe out front. There's a, a venue space in the back and a patio in the back. So something I think that's integral with the neighborhood. A lot of the residents had stated that they're, while there are places to eat and drink, there really isn't somewhere that they feel is as good of a lounge area. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's Alan Cassell. He's a commercial real estate agent, property investor, and consultant. He walked me up and down that stretch of Logan and introduced me to three projects that will change the street even more. Alan's doing the type of small-scale redevelopment that most people would likely consider good for Barrio Logan. But even so, he's seen some pushback. 
So is this the this is the house that got tagged with land pirates on it? No, that was the property that we were just in. Oh, okay. That's why I painted a pirate on the door. <laughs> so um, how does that make, how did that make you feel? Wait. Um, you know, I understand the motivation behind it. If it was, if it was, if it was gentlemen that wanted to do harm, they would have done more harm. I think it was obviously. A gentleman making a statement. One of the buildings Alan's helping rehab on Logan was spray-painted with the word land pirate. And he says he's had a can of Coke thrown at him as he was crossing the street, probably by people who think of him as an evil real estate developer out to destroy the neighborhood. Because even if you're opening cool-sounding businesses that seem like a good fit for the neighborhood, anytime something new opens, it almost always means something had to close or someone had to move out to make way. Barrio Logan is the historically Latino neighborhood that sits under the San Diego Coronado Bay Bridge. It's home to Chicano Park and its collection of famed Mexican murals, and it's teeming with folks ringing the gentrification warning bell right now. But there's a growing number of people in Barrio Logan who don't see guys like Alan as the real problem anymore. There's a bigger, badder enemy entering the community's sightline, the San Diego Chargers. I'm Kinsey Moreland, and you're listening to Culture Cast, a voice of San Diego's podcast about the intersection of art and gentrification in Barrio Logan. The Chargers, of course, are San Diego's football team, and they want a new stadium. They want one so badly, they've put a measure on the ballot asking voters to approve increasing the city's hotel room tax to help pay for it. It's been 55 years since the Chargers became a vital part of this community. We've celebrated together, shared moments of grace and glory, and created lasting memories. This team and the Chargers faithful have helped make San Diego a world-renowned city. Now it's time to build something special as we look to the future. Barrio residents are worried that both the very poor and the very rich will come into their neighborhood if that measure passes and a new stadium is built downtown. They remember what happened a little over a decade ago when the ballpark was built in the East Village. The emerging arts district that was thriving in the big affordable warehouses there was completely squashed, replaced by expensive condos and restaurants. East Village is still changing and gentrifying, but it's also home to the region's largest homeless population. Barrio residents worry that if the downtown football stadium is built, the East Village's gentrification will be complete, and even more homeless people will be pushed into their neighborhood. Uh, As a lot of people know, the the East Village over the last few years has become a, a home of sorts for San Diego's homeless population. Um, with the stadium being built there, it's going to force them out. They're basically going to become socioeconomic refugees from these villages. And those refugees are going to be pushed into surrounding communities. We already feel that here if you go down national... Some people in Barrio Logan are nervous that voters will say yes to the Chargers proposal. Because, you know, football is fun. But the people I talked to who are active in the art and activism scene here told me a new football stadium in the East Village would mean the end for Barrio Logan as we know it. They say the art scene that's been growing inside the old affordable buildings here would be priced out. We'll get into the fight against the new downtown stadium, but first, back to Alan and his tweaks to the three buildings on Logan Avenue. All right, so we're looking at a nice, what style house is this? This is a, this would be a Craftsman. Okay, beautiful green, um, definitely 
in the middle of transition here. <laughs> you have a nice new fence up. We did put up a nice new fence. Um, the the whole concept, the business that's coming here is, is going to be called Huerto del Barrio, which basically means Orchard of the Barrio. The concept was to keep the, the facade a bit transparent, but landscape the inside so there would be picnic tables, communal tables, where folks could sit, have coffee, have wife on Wi-Fi, maybe have their kids, even a, a, a puppy run around, but not be right in the street because this parking situation and traffic situation on Logan is so thick right. that the, the, the concept was just that it would be a little bit more friendly for, again, for families yeah. or for people with dogs. One of Alan's buildings is the old house he bought for about $300,000. It's being turned into a cafe and coffee house. Then there's the commercial space at 2163 Logan Avenue, the one that was hit by the spray paint. Inside that building are two commercial units, one that will be called Bar Logan and serve beer and wine from Baja, California, and another that was going to be a restaurant when I first talked to Alan, but will now be a new art gallery. There's also a very small 100-year home behind the building that's been turned into a retail unit and was recently leased by a local wine and food group with plans to use it as a private venue space. The third property is a commercial space on Logan that used to house a Mexican seafood restaurant and a small church. Alan and his investors are sprucing up that building so a new restaurant owner can move in. All three properties are pretty nice now, but Alan says when he and his partners first got a hold of them, it was a completely different story. That craftsman house that'll be a cafe, it did not always look so cute and cozy. Would, would you say that they shouldn't have been living there in terms of this, it was like squalor, right? In some conditions, it was not, shouldn't have been habited maybe, or shouldn't have been habited in the way it was, like you were saying there were dozens of people crammed into... Uh, I mean, for example, there was a property on Logan Avenue, a single-family residence that was built in the 1920s, about 900 square feet, but it had about 1,200 square feet of plywood additions built where they were lodging about 14 people. And the person responsible for the property was a renter, and she was collecting rents from all of these folks. You know, when we found... I mean, it, it was almost... I don't want to use the word prison camp, but I mean, I don't know any other way to describe like large plywood shelves and a makeshift shower inside of an old closet. Um, and this is what the, the conditions that folks were living. And, I, you know, while I don't want to criticize that, um, you know, it certainly wasn't healthy for them. Um, it's certainly not good for the neighborhood. Uh, it's not good for, for anybody. Um, so to, to some degree, I do understand the argument of, well, where will these people go? But at, at one point, that that's going to become a transient situation. That those situations won't last forever. In some cases, a city or a municipality will shut them down. Yeah, or the, the owner will be forced with you know condemning a property or you know or have a corrective action. Um, so, should they have been living in those situ in those conditions? According, you know, my opinion, no. I think that that was terribly unhealthy. Um, the property we're standing in now that has a small house on the lot. You know, there was a, a husband and wife and their three nephews, which were, I think, 14, 9, and 2. One of them was develop, developmentally disabled. Uh, there was a broken sewer pipe underneath the property that was attached to the house. I mean, it was really bad conditions. And, you know, we didn't see, I mean, w the recommendation from other contractors or for, from architects uh, was just to demolish the house. Uh, you know, we chose to try to preserve the architecture as much as we could, but also I don't think that it's suitable for anybody to live in again, uh, which is why we're just going to look at it being serving more of a commercial use. Um, but so yeah, the you know, people who are living or doing business in the properties Alan and his partners now own are no longer there. 
Alan, though, says the transitions went as smoothly as they could. I tried to track down the family who ran the Mexican food restaurant that closed down to hear their side of the story, by the way, but I didn't have any luck. You know, again, the perspective that I hope folks can try to understand, or or at least, um, yeah, I guess contemplate on our side is that when we look at these properties, there's there's obviously a motive, and yes, there's always a profit motive on it. Otherwise, you know, people wouldn't invest. But um, while we look to do something that works with the neighborhood, some the folks that are currently in a property, if they're in, in poor conditions or if they're paying rents that are five or six years behind, um, or if they're six months past due, there's going to be situations where they're not going to be able to stay. And again, that happens in Hillcrest, in La Jolla, Rancho Santa Fe. It happens anywhere someone isn't paying rent, or anytime there's a property that the conditions aren't um, aren't beneficial for you know for health reasons or for building code reasons. So um, I think, as I mentioned, you know, we're not a group of guys that meets downtown, you know, twisting our mustaches and looking to tie sellers to the railroad tracks to get their property. You know, these are opportunities that are being made available. So one thing, you know, someone critical of what you're doing would say is that um, the price went from something that was reasonable for that restaurant owner to lease space there, and then you would come in, buy the property, and jack that price way up. So what's the reality of that? What are- well, the reality is there's a market rent on in any, in any area. Uh, this street, Logan Avenue, had received a, a couple years ago a very specific zoning of commercial and mixed use. Where- where a way to position these properties uh, is very unique. Uh, different on National, different on Newton, different on Samson. I mean, very, very unique to this street. And when that happened, I didn't do that. That was the city of San Diego. And when they planned that, they knew perfectly well that this area, when they had their failed development initiative, they still knew that this area was going to start picking up commercially. I mean, that was something that was, that, that's why you make a, a you know a, a zoning change. And I think that as folks have been here and been very successful. Um, you know, the art movement here is, and the music scene has definitely picked up and the, the business owners, have, there's very impressive business owners. You know, uh, Salud, amazing business. Border X, great business. Uh, Por Vida and some of the other folks, really good businesses. And that's bringing in more traffic. It's turning the street into a different, it's just a different landscape than it was. And so buying a property and jacking up rents, if you could say that I purchased a property and walked folks out and walked new people in without spending six figures on the renovation, well, that would never, that's, that doesn't happen. Um, you know, again, the, the restaurant that we just spoke about, there was a lease. That lease was a five-year lease, and it was coming to an end. And they weren't sure if they were going to continue or not, but the owner of that building sure wanted to sell it. And, you know, that, that, that's just a, re- a typical commercial real estate transaction that would happen in any part of San Diego. It was definitely not a, a matter of taking advantage of someone. And at the same time, the conditions of, of certain properties, they, they really do need to be improved. A lot of these properties haven't been renovated in anywhere from 20 to 50 years. And if you're a restaurant that hasn't been renovated for 20 to 50 years, it's the, the cycle and in, in, in life of a building, in some cases you just do need that, that turn. I think that it's unfortunate that it comes at a time where an entire neighborhood is kind of recognizing that there is a transient moment. Just down the street from Allen's three projects, in a big warehouse-like building that borders Chicano Park on the north side of Logan Avenue, artist Chris Martino was working fast and furiously, trying to get things ready for his gallery's grand opening back in June. I think that's it. 
Hi. How are you? Good. Yeah, he's during the like the making the sausage phase, which has been a lot of it. <laughs> Twenty thousand times longer than it should, <laughs> and it's not working. Paul Basil could build anything. Where is that guy? He's at work. <laughs> so these are the two galleries. So it's basically like, um, oh, are we actually going right now? Yes. Oh no! <laughs> Delete all that. <laughs> so it's a contiguous gallery, two different galleries. CM Curatorials over there, the South Gallery, and then this is Basil IE, which stands for Ideas and Experiments. Okay. So we're going to do both. I'm curating both spaces. Okay. And then we're going to do shows that encompass both areas sometimes. And then sometimes we're going to have split shows that are two different shows that run concurrently. So that's the idea. Cool. How many square feet are we standing in? I think this is really Chris has partnered up with prominent San Diego designer Paul Basil on the project. Paul and Chris have been wanting to open an art gallery for years. They looked in dozens of San Diego neighborhoods before finding the building in Barrio Logan. And when they saw it, they thought it was perfect. The property, which includes five separate units, was almost completely vacant by the time Paul and Chris got a hold of it. But there was a car mechanic and a small produce company that had to leave in order to make way for the gallery. But Paul and Chris say everything that happened before they got the keys to the building was out of their control. All they can do now, they say, is try to fit into the neighborhood as best they can and be good neighbors to the people who are already there. We're going to, we have the master lease for the five. And then our idea was, okay, fix these up and then go down the line. So you've got two of the five, or does it count as three of the five? Three of the five. Okay, three of the five are art spaces. And And then the the last two currently are just storage right now. Okay. But the idea is that's temporary and within six months, hopefully we'll have those ready to go for creative space, artists, you know, something that's not, I don't know, run of the mill. So the idea is to kind of have a creative community down here because this Logan Avenue is really, there's all kinds of great stuff going on on this street. And we came down here and we're like, wow, this is great. Like, this is really starting to, it feels like it's, it's happening, you know, not just like you want it to happen. Like, well, just hold on. It's like, this is, this is happening. You think this so, time you guys are striking well at the right time? Well, it feels like it. I mean, knock on wood, of course, you know, it's easy to say. But I mean, I, it, that's the intuition when I just walk around. It just feels like there's all kinds of stuff going on. People are really positive and excited and... Like I said earlier, people, everyone I've, I've said, oh, yeah, I'm working on a gallery down there, you know, with my partner, Paul. They're like, oh, that's great. I, you know, they'll walk by and ask what you're doing. And so I haven't really had any, I can't believe you guys are, you know, coming in here and doing this. So I think it's, yeah, we want to become part of the neighborhood and the, you know, what's happening, not sort of overtake it or come in and say, this is what we're doing. So it's, it feels like a good mix. Yeah. You know, it's got a really good sort of vibe to it. Definitely. And I love that you're right by the pinata store there. Yeah, one of my favorite stores of all time. So I've, so far I've got the, I got the Trump pinata from him. I got an El Chapo pinata and I'm actually having him custom make for the show. 
a Russian, I probably shouldn't say this because now I'm going to give away the surprise, but I will anyway. A uh, Putin riding a tiger pinata. Nice. I like it. <laughs> got a resource like that. To fit in, Chris and Paul say they'll be participating in the recurring Barrio Art Crawl event and open their doors alongside the neighborhood's other art galleries for a night meant to show off the creativity of Barrio Logan's Emerging Arts District. Chris says he has plans to show local artists in his gallery, and he's specifically looking for artists who live and work around Barrio Logan and Logan Heights. For Paul, this isn't actually the first time he's set up shop in Barrio Logan. He used to run a restaurant called The Guild, and his design and fabrication studio was located behind the restaurant on Newton Avenue in the neighborhood's warehouse district. Back when Paul was running The Guild about a decade ago, there wasn't much in the way of art going on. I stopped by Paul's design studio in the East Village to compare notes about his experience back then in Barrio Logan and his experience now. A Barrio Logan early adopter, right? Right. A little too or possibly too early. <laughs> um, so you said you were too early. Why do you say that? Um, not too early in the sense of we obviously want, we wanted to be down there and be in, in the mix with the, we like the warehouse district. That's kind of where, when I mean, um, as far as trying to be in Barrio Logan was, I kind of missed the days of gas lamp area because that's where I kind of, you know, started was in, um, uh, Fifth and Island was where I originated my original gallery. And back then that was the warehouse district. So I kind of missed that. And, um, Barrio Logan has you still got pushed out. The we got, right? we got exactly, we got pushed out. Uh, the ballpark was kind of the big one that kind of pushed us out. Um, they moved a lot of the warehouses. They destroyed many, many warehouses. So I'm really hoping that doesn't happen to Barrio. I mean, there's a lot of beautiful buildings still down there, and hopefully we, we get to retain those. Mm -hmm. So as far as being down there early, in a sense of typically what you see is the art movement is where you move into areas and it has the nice warehouses. It's not overly run by developers, and, and you can get to kind of enjoy some decent rent and you know and, and then have the ability to create art and and whatnot without having to just sweat the high developer costs it's going to be hopefully not coming but we'll see <laughs> we'll see what happens so you can hear the the sounds of fabrication happening paul says the majority of the development happening right now in barrio logan is smaller projects like his and alan's he sees the pace of development continuing kind of slowly and respectfully in Barrio Logan over the next decade. Unless, of course, a football stadium gets built a few blocks away in the East what Village. What don't you want to see happen in Barrio Logan? Like, the, the um, football stadium. <laughs> Aside from the football stadium. <laughs> um... Muralist Mario Torero is well-known in San Diego. He's one of the artists behind the murals in Chicano Park. He helped found the Central Cultural de la Raza Gallery and Community Center in Balboa Park. And he's been active in the city's art scene for, like, ever. Mario recently stepped into the political arena, where he's working to get people in Barrio Logan and across San Diego to vote against the stadium. It's becoming a very um, aggressive, the, the, the gentrification, and, and we know that although it's going to grow and it's going to take years, with the stadium there, it, it, it for sure guarantee that we would not be uh, as, uh, with the profile that we have today, it would be devastated, it would be, it would be destroyed. The neighborhood would be. The neighborhood, the, the area. Uh, San Diego in itself, because San Diego is not a sports city, you know, and they're trying to shove that out of our throat because they're the 1%. They're the rich people there. They can do whatever they want. 
But people are standing up saying, no, we're not going to go for that. Mm-hmm. We're rebelling. We're resisting. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so... Mario is a Bernie Sanders type of liberal, but he says he's put aside political differences with some of the members of the official campaign set up to oppose the stadium, the No Downtown Stadium Coalition, which includes Republicans like San Diego Councilman Chris Kate and Democrats like Councilman David Alvarez. Mario said something that sort of surprised me. He said that Barrio Logan's gentrification has sort of opened up the doors for the diverse anti-stadium coalition to come together. Like I said, now it's no longer just the, 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 the Mexicans, the brown people, the Chicanos over there, but it's San Diego as a whole. Because before, Chicanos and whites need mix. Mm-hmm. It's only this gentrification uh, that has, has, has allowed two cultures to come together, cultural clash. But uh, unlike the cultural clash of San Francisco, the mission, ours here has been a lot uh, better, uh, more more harmonious. And partly because we had Chicano Park to protect us, where we put firm, we we're, we're have solid foundation here. Yeah. We're not Mario says his message to voters in the city of San Diego who are considering voting yes on the stadium is clear. That uh, that if he if he's a San Diegan and he's kept up to see how beautiful uh, how beautifully we've been developing taking Barrio Logan from something that was the worst place in, on San Diego to be one of the best places in San Diego next to downtown where we can uh, uh, influence with our art and our culture to the visitors uh, we we have uh, we have a beautiful presence right now and we hope to uh, keep it as a future I'm not against football or anything you know what. Uh, we just don't see, it's not about the charge against the charges, it's the fact that by putting a, a stadium downtown, we, we already have the ballpark here, Pet, Petco ballpark, that, that uh, has, has pushed out so many, so much of the culture and art from the East Village, and now with the uh, stadium, it would even be worse because it would, it would destroy our, our wonderful historical Barrio Logan, Logan Heights, uh, Sherman uh, communities. So if you can see why we standing? Why we're that is not against the charges? It's not against the stadium. It's against where they want to place it. And even then, when we we wonder, well, you have one already in Mission Valley. What's the problem? You know, I mean, I haven't heard any real good arguments. The Chargers leadership team made a recent appearance at a big community luncheon at the Family Health Center's clinic in Barrio Logan. No, if you don't stay in a hotel in San Diego, you won't pay a dime for this facility. And I think that's an important point. And, you know, Team spokespeople gave a detailed presentation and then answered the community's questions. Across the street, there was a small, quiet display of anti-stadium sentiment. Barrio Logan activist Brent Beltran, who organized the protest and runs a group called Barrios Against Stadiums, was fielding questions from local City Beat reporter John Lamb. These are residents, artists, people from the community. We have a few allies that have come out that are here just to oppose the stadium. And uh, we appreciate everybody. I mean, it's a Friday afternoon at lunchtime. People have stuff to do, right? People would rather be with family or taking care of their daily live stuff. But these people have decided to dedicate an hour and a half of their lives to to protest the stadium. And we're doing here, there's reasons we're here silently. You know, normally we're not, we're, we're a loud, boisterous, and occasionally obnoxious community when we protest. But, you know, because we have such great respect for Family Health Center, the history in this 
this community. It's starting out, like I mentioned, as a Chicano free clinic. Um, we don't want to disrupt their event. We don't want to affect their fundraiser. Well, so we're out here silently protesting as a way of just showing our displeasure, not with family health, but with the Chargers wanting to bring a stadium here. Another issue is parking. I don't know if you noticed, but the parking situation just coming here, it's almost impossible to find a parking space in Barrio Logan during daytime hours. If you have convention center events with the stadium there, it's going to be even worse. Sorry, I'll admit it. When I go to games at Petco Park, I do park for free in Barrio Logan rather than pay high prices to park close by the ballpark. Brent says the football stadium would turn Barrio Logan into even more of a parking lot. He also says that when Petco Park was built in the East Village 12 years ago, it almost completely crushed the art scene that had developed in the cheap warehouses there. He doesn't want to see that happen in Barrio Logan. That was kind of the beginning of the arts being pushed out from there. So the East Village arts got pushed out. Well, if the East Village gets fully developed, what's going to happen to the arts district here in Barrio Logan? The, as far as I know, none of the, 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 the art gallery owners, the, the people that produce art here, owns the actual buildings that they produce art out of, except maybe James Brown, who has been installed. But those on this side of the, the freeway don't. And so they're going to get pushed out also. Yeah. And that's going to be a detriment because this community is known as, as an arts and culture mecca. From the, from start if you drive around Barrio Logan, Sherman Heights, Logan Heights, and those communities surrounding the East Village, you'll likely see a few houses that are covered in hand-painted chargers, bolts, or painted in the team's blue and gold. Carol Kim, the director of community engagement for the San Diego Building and Construction Trades Council, an organization that has come out in support of the new stadium, says there are a lot of diehard Chargers fans who live in the greater Logan Heights neighborhood. Carol's been doing a lot of outreach in the area, asking people about their concerns related to a new East Village stadium and asking them what they might want out of the deal. And that's really where it gets tricky because these these um, concerns that they're dealing with, things like the gentrification, things like parking and traffic, environmental concerns, health concerns, um, other mitigations, all of those things are things that are really big, complex issues. And they're the culmination of basically decades of neglect or just, you know, pushing that issue down the road even further. And, you know, the, the Chargers Stadium is not really, is not really the cause of these issues, of course, right? It's, it's, it's a, it's sort of these, these issues are, are longstanding and, um, like, and homelessness is something that will be there with or without the Treasure Stadium. Um, the, the, what's going on with gentrification, it's not going to happen. It's happening now, right? And that's a problem. And, and so the question was, you know, how, what, what would you suggest? What, what do you want us to do? Carol took those concerns that she collected to the Chargers. She said her meeting with the team's leaders went well, and they were receptive to the suggestions. The meeting resulted in a letter signed by the team's owner, Dean Spanos. In it, he agrees to enter into what's called a community benefit agreement, or a contract with community groups from Barrio Logan and surrounding communities. Nothing is set in stone yet, but the letter lays out a framework that says the Chargers will consider doing things like starting a public land trust and pitching in money to help build affordable housing. 
They say they'll help create a parking district to help with the parking problems. They'll hold job fairs and outreach events meant to hire folks from those communities to work at the stadium. And they'll offer job training and apprentice opportunities. Of course, everything is contingent on whether the ballot measure passes in November. But Carol said she wants to start talking to community members now about what else they might want from a community benefits agreement with the Chargers. She said her experience talking to community members so far has taught her that there are myriad concerns that are difficult to address, but that the Chargers offer is kind of the only thing on the table right now that's offering any type of solution. Right now, it seems to me, it seems very apparent that there's a lack of actual leadership at the city level to address these problems, right? And so absent that leadership, here's an opportunity for us to actually try and do something. And we've got a stakeholder here who is willing to contribute some significant resources towards doing something about these problems. Where What else is on the table right now? And there's not a lot. So, mm-hmm. so this, this, would be, this could be really meaningful if we do this right. And I want to make sure that if we do it, we're doing it right. When I contacted the charges for comment, the team's spokesperson put me in touch with Marcella Escobar-Eck, principal of the Atlantis Group Land Use Planning. She was brought on as a local land use consultant. She confirmed that the team is interested in offering various mitigation programs to help lessen the negative impacts of an East Village stadium on the surrounding urban neighborhoods. When I asked her if anything specific about protecting Barrio Logan's Emerging Arts District had come up during the team's community forums or during the discussion with Carol, she said it had and that the team was open to exploring options while hammering out the details of the community benefit agreement. I think that there are definitely going to be opportunities to not only bring the Barrio Art Movement to East Village, but to continue to have the East Village Art Movement there. Um, I think you and I um, talked about this the other day, that uh, there's uh, there's an opportunity for a museum to be incorporated, you know, on the perimeter of the stadium um, at, at the ground floor. I mean, we're definitely looking to activate the ground floor uses around the stadium and make sure that those are active and vibrant. Marcella also said that there are opportunities for the Public Land Trust to fund affordable live-work lofts that are geared toward housing artists. Brent and his Barrios Against Stadiums group, though, they don't think anything the Chargers have tentatively put on the table is enticing enough to change their opinion about the project. When Brent caught wind of the letter that had been signed by Dean Spanos, he took to Facebook. No matter how many benefits are given by the Chargers and the city in a community benefits agreement, they won't be enough to stop the displacement of renting residents and small businesses from Barrio Logan, Sherman Heights, and Logan Heights. The Barrios might get some new shit, but will the new shit be enough to make up for getting pushed out, he wrote. Nope, that new shit will be for gentrifiers. Next time on CultureCast. You know, San Diego's an expensive place to be, so uh, it's not without its challenges, but I, I definitely see... Um, integration, integrated communities, multicultural communities as being a worthwhile goal. Mm -hmm. So I think I have to question again my role as an artist not living here, not having grown up here, not being that um, enveloped in the neighborhood. You know, I'm familiar with Barrio Logan. I've been coming to Barrio Logan as I've lived in San Diego growing up, but not, I'm not, um, 
I'm not someone from here, so I'm an outsider. And so these are very nice people. I will not, you know, uh, go against that. They're not like all, you know, uh, they're they're nice people. But the fact remains that uh, the Latinos are being displaced, and um, they're moving. Uh, the, the the forces north of Vader are, are, like I said, buying up the properties. Um, all we can hope for is perhaps. Uh, a mitigated gentrification, try to soften it a little bit, you know. Uh, I tried something a little different this time and set up a makeshift recording studio inside Bread and Salt, an old warehouse in Logan Heights that's been turned into a bustling art center. I spent hours there and collected a collage of community stories about art and gentrification in Logan. And I think I got a lot of good stuff. Hey, so if you've listened to the entire Culture Cast season so far and you're enjoying it, please consider donating and mentioning the show when you do. Just go to voiceofsandiego.org slash donate and pitch in whatever amount you can. Voice of San Diego is a nonprofit news organization powered by people just like you. And if you're a business owner or just the person who holds the purse strings for a company and you're interested in reaching an engaged and really rad audience, email aaron at vosd.org to ask about sponsoring the show. I wrote and produced this episode of Culture Casts. Scott Lewis edited the script. Tristan Loper provided production support. And Colin Thompson did the mastering. If you're not already listening to the weekly Voice of San Diego podcast, the Good Schools for All podcast, San Diego Decides, and the other shows on Voice of San Diego's new podcast network, you should be. Visit voiceofsandiego.org slash podcast to subscribe.